The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. Let's go, baby! Are you ready for a break? Uh, yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Thursday, September 14th, 2017, season 13, episode number 39. Welcome to another edition mm. of The Break. I'm live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. I'm glad to be back in studio with you guys. Let's talk some Cowboys football. And uh, we're going to have some uh, talk on, we'll catch you guys up on the injury situation uh, for the Cowboys heading into this week's game. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about... Dak Prescott, yesterday I heard there was an interesting conversation that began. And then yesterday evening, what you guys don't know is there was this feverish mad dash by all three of my co-hosts to try to figure out some arguments on either side of this debate on Dak and how he played last week. Not exactly. That should People be took a it lot pretty of fun. seriously. Yeah, it, it became... me, okay, game on. It became a, uh, a seemingly like a contest between the three of you guys to come up with the best research and points on this issue so we'll talk about that um, a little bit and then we'll get into Cowboys versus Broncos we're going to talk about the Cowboys offense versus the Broncos defense uh, Dave will give us a scouting report uh, and I want to talk a lot about the uh, this one particular matchup of Des Bryant versus Aqib Tlaib and I guess you throw in Chris Harris Jr. as well two of what I think may be uh, the best cornerback tandem or close to the best cornerback tandem in the NFL and how Dez is going to have to deal with that. But before we do that, let's, uh, I guess let's first just see how everybody's doing this morning. How's it going? Great. I'm good. I feel a little under the weather. Do you? How are we doing, guys? Yeah, but I mean, I'm, I'm good. You make it? Yeah. I'm yeah. Here. What, cold? Seems Blue? like one of those like out of season colds. Like, I don't, maybe because the weather's changing a little bit. It's a little yeah. cool outside in the mornings. I'm actually kind of not good. Glad. Not I'm actually kind of glad you're not on the team charter this week. That point. that's actually a good thing. Yeah. If you're gonna get someone sick, I'd rather you get some random person who's unsuspecting sick than an entire team. And of course, me or Nick or like Amber. William. Huh? Like William. Yeah, like William. Yeah. Well, I don't really want William to get sick either. Right. We kind of need him. We'll make sure we get you both sick. Don't worry, <laughs> all of y'all. All right, let's jump in. Let's talk some injuries. Uh, let's catch up on the injury report for the Cowboys. Yesterday, there were three players that missed practice, Anthony Hitchens, Orlando Skandrick, and Terrence Williams. Um, obviously, Skandrick and Hitchens, we know that they – we know their situations. Skandrick, uh, I don't know if, if if there's an expectation he's not playing this week. I would think he's not playing. But what are you guys hearing? Is there any chance that he's – He's not been ruled out. Not been ruled out. That's what, what do you think? He's, I want to know what you guys think. He's been ruled out. According to you. According to me. I don't think he'll play. Okay. I mean, he, I'm not going to say sensitive, but. Wow. No, I mean. Here we no. go. I'm not going to say sensitive. This one over no. here, man. I'm not going to say didn't. sensitive, but I'm going to say sensitive. No, I, I didn't say it. Distance okay. myself from you. <laughs> Get away from me. Guy broke his hand. No, yeah, but right. he had surgery. So I don't think, I mean, we've heard of certain players kind of being able to play after it. A surgery, but I just don't think that would be the case for Skandrick. No, let's let's be honest. With, with Skandrick, really good player um, over his career, but he he showed it last year that he needs to be healthy. He likes to play healthy. He doesn't want to go out there and play when he's not. And I just have a hard time thinking that he is going to play in this game with 
two, I mean, five days after a surgery. I just don't think he's going to do that. Well, he's the one that's still keeping the door open because I think wasn't it him that said, "Hey, I'm not, I'm not ruling myself out for this week." I just don't think he's going to play. I, I don't think when it comes down to it that that he he will play this game. That would surprise me. Yeah, if he plays. Although I will say it, it kind of goes back. It's the old injury thing. Like, and I know you know Demarco Murray played six days after a similar situation. That doesn't make you soft if you elect to like sit out six days after you broke your hand. You know, like that's you you broke a bone in your body and you had surgery on it. It's okay. They put a metal plate in your hand. It's okay if you want to take a, a game. I think. Yeah. The fact that somebody's willing to tough it out. Good on you. More power to him, yeah. That doesn't make anybody else soft for not wanting to go out. I mean, I my, I didn't play football for very long, but I played long enough to know that it really hurts when you get your hand or your fingers jammed between a helmet or somebody else's pads. It does not feel good. You, you've so. got to use your hands as a cornerback. Yep. You have that to. too. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, I just I just I just don't think that this is this is the week for it. Um, yeah, they'll leave it open because. You know, it's easier for the for Denver to kind of look at Skandrick and you know, and not know some of these other guys. But I don't think. And I think I remembered when when Demarco had his injury. One of the things they talked about that week is you're not so much worried about the break because the metal plate kind of protects it. It's just you're a week out or less than a week out from actually the cut, right? And so it's it's almost that's just as much of a problem in a situation like this of coming back and playing soon as the actual break because that hasn't healed. And and so you had a cut on your body that was then sutured up and and that creates that could create some problems. One right? of the gnarliest things I've ever seen was DeMarco's scar from that. Mm-hmm. Like he showed it to reporters afterward. Ugh, gross. I don't think I've ever said that word in my life. Gnarly? Oh, I don't think so. That's what it was. Uh, plus, on the other side of that, you got... Chidabe, who was a injury concern after hurting his ankle, he was full yesterday, and Jordan Lewis was full as well. So uh, you got two other guys out there who, who should be able to help you get through this game. Benet? Benet Benwickery. I mean, he's not hurt, but yeah. So yeah, but he's back. The The assumption is that he will be playing this week. You have right? a full complement of corners who can help you get through this if Skandrick can't play. Right. All right, let's talk about Terrence Williams. He also missed practice yesterday. Uh, he is in, uh, from what I understand, a walking boot. But is this more of a precautionary thing? Is there expectation that he's going to practice this week? And further, is there expectation he's going to be able to play? I think the expectation is that he'll be ready to play. Um, but you know, we'll see how it goes. I think Garrett had said yesterday that he thinks he'll do something in, in practice. Now, he was listed as out. I mean, I'm sorry, listed as did not practice. But... Uh, I'm sure he did some things, and you know it's just Wednesday for for that day, so he'll probably do a little bit today. I imagine do some tomorrow. I I, I bet he plays. I mean, I, that's just just talking to him after the game and the fact that he was able to play through the game and play well, played really well. Yeah, maybe he needs an ankle sprain like that or something. Whatever it was, he played he played one of his better games. So. I, I have no doubt that he'll be playing this game. I'm just going to play devil's advocate real quick because we said that yesterday, and I still think he would kind of play, but it's easy to say those things in the heat of the moment and the adrenaline of playing and winning. And then, you know, you come in on Monday and get your treatment and look at it, and maybe the trainers are like, oh, buddy, I don't know. This, you know, maybe you don't need to be playing six days from now. And he did he did not participate in practice, but he was doing some walking and some stretching exercises and just kind of keeping that thing loose. So uh, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, 
I still kind of feel like he should be able to play in this game, but you know, if push comes to shove, maybe they figure a, a, a week's worth of rest could do him some good. And then again, you do have you're carrying six receivers right now, so you have Noah Brown who can help you get through this game if he can't play. So I still think he'll play, but I'm keeping an eye on that. I, I want to see. If he doesn't do anything at all this whole week, you know, if he doesn't practice at all, then maybe they would sit him down. Just hey, to be clear, what point in the game did he get that in? First play of the, the game. Very first play. play. So played through the entire yeah, game. Oh, Obviously, as Nick said, played quite well. Sure. It's, it, it seems hard to believe he wouldn't be ready to play this week. I, I hear you. I'm just thinking, you know, you, you spent two hours stretching and getting ready and your adrenaline's high. You're finally playing football. And then, you know, you're like, I'll, of course I'll play next week. I, I feel great. I'm, if, I'll tough it out if I have to or whatever. And then you go to bed and you wake up and, you know, I mean, I'm, Monday can't be fun for any football Yeah, but player. it seems to me like halftime would have been the moment where, okay, you come down for a second at halftime and you start feeling the real pain of this because the adrenaline's down and, and that's when you say maybe there's a problem. I can't maybe. do this. But he came out and played second half and was effective. I, I, again, I just don't know that there's a scenario – to me, that makes a whole lot of sense. Where he wouldn't be playing, maybe. I just, I think there's, I, I think there's a difference between game day and then all week where you're not, you're not amped up, you're not, you're not as limber as you were on game yeah. day. I, I'm not saying he's not going to play. I'm just, I'm. It's Thursday morning. Something to think about. I'm keeping an eye on it until Friday, Saturday. Fair and enough. I don't know how similar these injuries were, you know, level wise and how painful. But remember Bryce Butler's injury during training camp, how he ended up coming back, what, three days after or so? Well, I was listening to him yesterday. He was talking to me and Mickey, and he was telling us how he's still battling with that. Like, it hurts him. His toes hurt. It hurts to put pressure on that foot, and he's still playing. And his reasoning was like, yeah, I had to come back. I wasn't going to get cut. Mm -hmm. So... <laughs> Just remember that. I mean, these players, they, they can still play with certain injuries and just do fine. Every guy on this team is going to – is if he isn't already playing through something, he will be soon. Yeah. And don't worry. By the time you get to end of the season, every player on every team will be battling something. something yeah. Because that's just the nature of football. It is a, it is a, a pain management and an injury management sport. That's the name of the sport is because it's it is about pain management and it's about managing injuries. I thought the name of the sport was football. <laughs> not really. No, they changed it. You didn't hear? I, I guess not. There was a press release on that last week. You're busy. All right, let's jump right into uh, the talk on Dak. Uh, and I don't know how this started. I, I don't think either. Yesterday, it sounds like there was at least some conversation that probably Amber started. Amber said she didn't like Dak. She said he played like No, crap. we had a caller. <laughs> we had a caller. He uh -huh. was talking making he was asking because he was concerned whether this was affect Dak Prescott or not because he starts off the first half kind of bad and then he said in the last game or is he talking about throughout his career general oh you disagree too here we go <laughs> yeah <laughs> so I do got, but go ahead one. go ahead three against one. so anyways uh Nick and Dave was kind of were kind of going against that and I jumped in I was like ah, I don't think so I I think it's the opposite I think He's right. He, he, you think he, in general the Packers game, he said you can't go get down against the Packers, and you know, just like in that game, you can't come back from. Which he actually did come back from, but you know, I, and my point was that I, yeah, he's had some slow starts, but he's also had some fast starts. And and before doing any research, I was just like, <laughs> I don't think there's any kind of trend. I think he's had some good games. 
He's had some fast starts. He's had some that are kind of in the middle of the pack. I don't think there's a trend to it. Yeah. And that's actually not the case. But Yeah. Okay, well, there are some we'll trends. get into it. Well, so, what, what do you got over there? Okay, well, let me <laughs> start off. That's a setup move right there. Let me start off by <laughs> saying, because people now think I think Dak Prescott is a horrible football player. Clearly. False. No. <laughs> I think he's a great football player, and I really like him. Now, I started looking at the stats because people on Twitter were very intricate about this whole subject and wanted to jump in. And they sent me some stats. I went over it. And yeah, by the look of it, it is indeed stat-wise correct. First half, he did... Stat-wise. Stat, yeah. Now let Actually. Me, okay, <laughs> let me move on. Science. So you know what? I was, I was analyzing this. I'm like, there's no way. I, I remember. I know what I remember, you know? So I decided to break it down. Let's break it down by quarter. First quarter, that was his best completion rate, percentage. The percentage, mm-hmm. 71%. So starting the game, that's when he's at his best. Yes, 71%, according to stats. Okay. Now, let's, let's just remember, I mean, this is stats yard- lie sometimes, yardage-wise. He okay. did gain more jar- yards during the first half. Now, we move to the second quarter. 63%, which is now his worst. So now within the first half, he has his best one and his worst one. 15 sacks, first half. Now we move to the third quarter, 69%. Fourth quarter, 66%. Now the point I was trying to make is during the second half, he becomes more accurate. He makes Less mistakes. Wait, no, no. But what were the percentages in the first quarter and the second quarter? 71 and 63. So the highest is in the first quarter. The worst is in the second quarter. Now The second best is in the fourth quarter, correct? Yeah. So he starts fast and he finishes and 67. fast. 67. That's what yeah. it is. 67% second half, 66% first half. That's so he's most accurate in the first and the end. Yeah. So point, point, is, point is the second half is when he becomes – more accurate. He he starts cleaning up his game. By one. That's N- not listen, more accurate. Listen, listen, listen. Got more of attempts in the first half, too. He did have an overtime game against Philadelphia. He That was 100%. No interceptions. Now, he only got sacked 10 times during the second half. You compare the second... I mean, sorry. Yeah, the second half of the game. Second quarter, he, two, he threw two interceptions overall. So when you analyze all these numbers and break it down by quarter, the point here is that aside from putting up more yards and a few extra touchdowns during the first half of the game, comes the second half, he becomes more clean, he, he l- makes less mistakes. So that's my point. Okay. Yeah. Well, how many interceptions what? did he have in the, in the second four. half versus two and the first half? It was two and two. Okay, so what mistakes is he making more in the second half than he's not making? I'm mean, that he's making right. less in the second Why don't half. Why do we just second, second half, he completed more passes. Okay. You break it down by pass numbers. Yeah. You, you analyze how many passes he completed, how many he didn't. First half, he had a bunch of incomplete passes. Uh, I think it was like 90-something. But typically in the second quarter, not the first quarter. Can second quarter. be the judge? No. That's just, what I'm doing. I'm That's just, what judges do. They ask Let questions. Just party. overall. Can I finish real quick? I'm I'm done almost. Hold on. Oh, God. So, first first half, he threw, he had more incomplete passes. Uh-huh. Just first half overall. 
Second half, less incomplete passes. Okay. Okay. Got it. All right. Now, first so half, I hear, he, I hear he your had argument. more yards and all that. Yeah, he just put in be, more numbers. Just to be but. clear, so the argument is he was better, he was cleaner come the second half than he is in the first half. But the reason why that is is because he has his worst production in the second quarter. He actually is very best in the first quarter. But when you average the two and you compare it to the second half, the second half is better than the first half. Okay. Somewhat, yeah. The crux, right. the crux of that wise, argument yeah. basically boils down to 67% is better than 63%. Right. Which I think is equivalent. Like, that's not enough I for me to... I don't know. In, I would say this. In, in, in completion percentage, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. But I hear the argument. Hear what, I think let's it's, hear what, yes, okay. let's hear what Nick has to say. All right. In, there's only 15 games here because the Eagle game didn't count. He didn't play the second half, really second quarter. So we only got 15 games to go off of. In 15 games, he's got more passing yards in the first half than the second half, 11 out of 15 times in the first half. Okay, so yards, they were winning games, maybe in second half, didn't run the ball. Okay, I, I'll give you that. So let's just look at it as a quarterback's job. They moved the football. And first downs, they're 11 out of 15 times they had more first downs in the first half than they had in the second half. That usually equates to time of possession. 11 out of 15 times they had held the ball more in the first half than they did in the second half. Points. Eight times they had more points in the first half than they had in the second. Five times was exactly tied. Twice, they uh, they did score a little bit more. They scored more in the second half than the first. So eleven out of fifteen times, he's got better stats in the first half than the second. I mean, I, I came in here saying it really wasn't a trend, but I think the trend is that the first half they move the ball more, they score more, and they I mean they they hold on to it, and he is the one throwing the ball more. Also, to start the game, he had in his very first game to just to open the game, field goal, field goal, field goal. Next game, field goal, touchdown. Next game, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, touchdown. Next game, that he did not score until his fourth possession. The next game, three straight touchdowns to start the game. The next game, a touchdown to start the game. He opens the game well. I, I just think that that was actually so. I don't care about this as much as these two. Um, well, but, I didn't care either until <laughs> I saw you talking to Broadus for about three hours yesterday. It was like, not right three hours. Was it was like, no. oh, it was about yeah. three hours. We got stats. <laughs> about three hours. Listen, he, yes, I agree. He was more productive during the first half. Second half, he made less mistake. He played better. Now, yeah, he was able to get a few more touchdowns and more, way more yards. How's a guy half. who only turned the ball over like six times all year have like more or less mistakes? Like that, this is nitpicking. I, I, he's got two interceptions in each half, and one of them in the first half is like right before halftime, which is way into. The I you alluded to what I I just I wanted to know if it was true that he started fast or not. So I went and took. <laughs> The first three game or the first three possessions of every game of the season. Mm -hmm. That's forty-eight possessions. Sixteen touchdowns. So thirty percent of the time in the first and second beginning of the second quarter, he got them a touchdown. Nine times field goal. So more than fifty percent of the time they scored. They scored points in the opening possession of the game. And in a lot of times, as he just alluded to, Cincinnati, um sorry, uh, um Washington, multiple scoring drives. You're talking getting 10 or 14 points out of your first two possessions. There's a couple of missed field goals in there. As a well, couple of missed field goals. Just There's like a couple driving of driving into <laughs> field goal range. A couple of turnovers. I 52% in your opening three possessions throughout the entire season. I think that's pretty damn I would good. venture to say there's there may have been two, three teams that were better. Yeah. From that standpoint. Because I, I and I, I heard what you were saying, Amber. Like I know what I was kind of remember. 
And what I remember about last year is it seemed like all the games except for Giants, Minnesota, when they played really tough defenses, that's when he struggled. That's when the whole offense struggled. But besides that, it seemed like every game they were going to get off to a quick start. They were going to score. So if you didn't keep up at the beginning, you were done because the Cowboys would already have 10, 14 points in the first, you know, first quarter and a half. And if you're not scoring, you're done. I will say there was a stretch there toward the end of the season, which coincides with when everybody thought he was slumping, starting with New York, Minnesota, yeah. and even into the Tampa Bay game where it was not as good. Right. But for the entire season as a whole, it was pretty good. Well, say what you say. I still believe my point, and I'm just going to adhere to it. Hey. He that's did. A, that's America right there. Knowing you're wrong <laughs> and not, no, not stick I, with I, it. I don't stick think I'm guns. wrong. My point here is overall, yes, made was more productive. First half, second half, just came in being more precise, more clean, didn't get as many, as many yards. Yeah, but his game was more on point. All right. He wasn't all over the place. You didn't see a bunch of incomplete passes or more, you know, he wasn't sacked as many times. You saw him more focused, more. He completed like 66% for the season. Like he was never all over the place. Like not throughout the entire year would I classify him as all over the place. Okay. All over the place is a slight little all over the place. I'm just comparing it first half to second half. Let me ask you a question though. And just, just from a statistical standpoint, you said he had 71 he hit 71% of his passes in the first quarter, 63% in the second quarter. You take the average of that, it's right there with the average of what his second second half I was, think right? It's 67% in the second half. Is it 69? So 71 first, yeah. second, 63, third, 69, fourth, 66. So the average of that one would be sixty-seven and a half, and the average of the first half would be six around sixty-seven and a half. What as I well, looked right? at it was sixty-seven, sixty-six for the second half. So I just thought, okay. The average, I mean, the average of those two. If you look at the average, well, between there's those, more attempts though in there. You and know, on, but on here, first half or second, second half, he's just more consistent. You know, so that's the point. You're saying second half because they're much, they're closer together. The the deviation. I mean, the, the I mean, delta you, you look the at all the numbers high. and compare everything. Just overall, during the second half, he's just more consistent. Now, first half, yeah, first quarter, great. Second quarter, not it's his worst. But he moves on to the second half, and now he has everything more, you know, precise and under control and just more concise. Okay. Constant. All right. That's, that's what I'm referring to all over the place during the first half. Well, appreciate it was great the great and bad. Whatever, <laughs> whatever, man. I whatever, man. <laughs> whatever, man. Appreciate the discussion. I think it's a good discussion. I still know, and what I will I saw. say this: we'll keep we'll keep an eye on that. Now, I guess going forward and look and see what happens over these next few games and throughout this season, and see if this becomes a trend one way or the other. I do still believe that when it comes down to it, kind of nitpicking a little bit because for the year the guy had a, a completion percentage that was. Pretty doggone. Oh, he's still great. I mean, look at the season he had. Nobody's arguing whether he's a bad player or not. I mean, it's... All right. Let's take our first break. When we come back, we are going to get into Cowboys versus Broncos. We're going to talk about the Cowboys offense, the Denver Broncos defense. We'll do that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio. We, the entertainment-loving people, demand the best unlimited wireless plan ever from AT&T. What else do you want, a unicorn? 
Maybe. Only AT&T offers you unlimited data with HBO included and never pay overages. Get AT&T Unlimited Plus, our best wireless deal on unlimited data. Plus save $25 per month on DirecTV. It's entertainment your way. After 22 gigabytes of data usage, AT&T may slow speeds. Plan includes stream saver and videos will stream in standard definition unless you turn it off. $25 DirecTV savings requires AT&T Unlimited Plus. Credits start within three bills. Service prices subject to change. Other usage, speed, fees, charges, and restrictions apply. See att.com slash unlimited for details. Hey, Cowboys fans. Did you know that over the next few years, more than a million service members will transition from military to civilian life? Veterans face unique challenges when they get out of the military, and Bank of America and the Dallas Cowboys are teaming up to help with financial education, career opportunities, and support of military nonprofits and organizations locally in North Texas and across the country. We're proud to support our troops and are deeply grateful for the dedication and sacrifice of our service members and veterans. Bank of America, official bank of the Dallas Cowboys, invites you to join us in our efforts to get involved by tagging game day photos on social media using hashtag troop thanks, that's hashtag troop thanks, and by learning more about our commitment to veterans at bankofamerica.com slash military support. Together, we can thank our troops in ways that make a real difference. Copyright 2016, Bank of America Corporation. Bowling night with friends and you're hanging out together You picked up a spare but you're craving something better A thirst runs deep inside, you don't know what to do You crave a nice cold Dr. Pepper and a hero to save you Craving Rider You ride the wave of Dr. Pepper when you're craving Dr. Pepper Craving Rider When you crave a Dr. Pepper, nothing else will do Pick up an ice cold 20 ounce bottle today Dr. Pepper I hear all this talk about what it takes to be a cowboy. Everyone's got their ideas, but I just say to myself, it's what's up top that matters. Sure, you need men with the muscle and heart to get her done, but if your scouts and coaches are listening out there, a word of advice. Pick the man with the most well-worn Stetson. That's the one most cut out to be a cowboy. Stetson hats are handmade right here in Texas and have been on cowboys' heads for over 150 years. The rest of you can visit stetson.com cowboy to find a retailer nearest you back to the break welcome back second segment of the break live from the swbc mortgage studios at the star we're uh, talking cowboys broncos we're going to jump right in cowboys offense versus denver defense can i say something real quick of course you're seeing all these twitter messages people just are very passionate about this subject i just wanted to say my stats came from pro football so if you want to look into that and pull up those stats, just go look it up on that website. That's it. Moving on. Sorry. You're still going to Well, people are just point, right? fired up. She is not giving I'm up. I'm just saying, if, if you want to talk about my numbers here, I, they're just but pro football. I think one thing that you need to also remember about the, about the numbers. We're moving on. <laughs> no, no, we're not moving on. Hold on. <laughs> Completion oh, no. percentage. I'm just sitting, I'm just sitting right back over. No, there. no, me too. We're moving on to the Broncos. Come on, Derek. You're There's the... a different kind of pass in the second half. Okay, you're going to be conservative a little bit more. You're going to go more underneath routes to the tight end. Maybe swing it to the running back. You're not going to fire the ball 30 yards. Okay, clearly we're not going to come to an agreement. So here, I'm just so... saying. So a completion percentage is going to be a little bit higher in the second half because your passes are a little bit safer. And it was only like one or two percentage points higher, so it's not that much of a difference. But you are going to have a higher completion percentage in the second half because you're really trying to hold on to the ball, move the clock, and not turn the ball over. So Broncos versus Cowboys. Okay. 
Let's jump in. Cowboys. We're on, we're on to Cincinnati. Cowboys, <laughs> Cowboys offense we'll take and job. Denver defense. Uh, Dave, let's get a scouting report. Give us a scouting report on this defense. I don't know if this interests other people as much as it interests me, but the main thing I see when I look at this defense is the Broncos, like for as good as they've been over the last five years, six years, this is not like a homegrown defense. No, it's not. It's, I mean, okay, Derek Wolf, second round draft pick. Von Miller, obviously, number two overall pick. Um, Justin Simmons, who's a starting safety, is a third round pick. And Chris Harris is an undrafted free agent that they discovered. Good for you. The rest of this is is all trades, undrafted free agents, or I mean, uh, outside free agents. I mean, you remember a few years ago when they had that big day when they signed yeah, they all signed those guys, where, Marcus Ware, yeah, they signed. Um, who else did they? Akeem Talib. Akeem Talib, your yeah. best cornerback, is from another team. Brandon Marshall came in from Jacksonville. Uh, Todd Davis, who's handling middle linebacker next to Brandon Marshall, came from New Orleans. Your second best pass rusher behind Vaughn is uh, he's actually homegrown. Sha- Shaquille Barrett, uh, he's a undrafted free agent, 2014. But surprisingly, you know they had Ware, and you just think of them as having like pass rusher after pass rusher. Shaquille Barrett had five and a half sacks in 2015 and one last year. He got one against the Chargers on opening night, but he's not like this sack monster. And so I'm sitting here. I have all the respect in the world for Von Miller, but there's not a ton in the way of proven other guys once you get past him. I mean, I, and this is a 3-4, so, you know, Derek Wolf has been doing his thing for a long time. Demata Pico, you remember him from Cincinnati. He's been doing this for a long time. Uh, Jared Crick is another outside free agent that they brought in from Houston. Like, But these guys aren't these are not big sack guys. That's the purpose of the line in three fours to open things up for your outside linebackers. And you have Vaughn and Barrett and then not a lot of stuff that intimidates me at least. I mean, I don't want to speak for them, but so that's the main thing I notice is that. And and another thing, this is going to be in my column that I put up later. It's amazing. Even by NFL standards, how much this team has turned over even since the 2013 Super Bowl season, right? There's like six guys on this roster who were there in 2013. Aqib Talib wasn't there. Um, basically, nobody in that backfield except for Chris Harris. Talib was wasn't there. on the Super Bowl team? No. He was on the team that won the Super Bowl. He was not on the team okay. that lost to the Seahawks. Gotcha. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Um, six, oh, yeah. six out of 53 players. C.J. Anderson was a practice squad player in 2013. Yeah. They, I mean, it's completely made over in terms of what it looked like from there. So... Obviously, still really good. I mean, they they looked phenomenal against the Chargers for the most part, especially in the second half last night. But I do kind of I, I and you know, and this is going to sound inflammatory. I don't mean it to sound that way, but like I do kind of wonder if a little bit of this is like riding on past reputations. You know, like they once you've been elite for a certain amount of time in the NFL, you just kind of get that credit until you don't anymore. Well, here's the other thing to factor in here when you're talking about elite. Elite defenses aren't usually ranked in the bottom part of the league in yeah. rush defense. And last year, they were 28th in the league in rush defense. Um, and I think in this last game, it started off, and I heard you say this, Dave, it started off where you were like, oh, they didn't fix that. They buckled uh, down. But by, the, but by the time the game started really going, they ended up only giving up 64 yards on the ground, 54 of that to, uh, to Melvin Gordon. Um, I guess with all that being said, 
do you think this is a team that can be susceptible to a good offensive line and the running attack behind, with uh, Ezekiel Elliott? Yeah, without a doubt, they, they can be uh, they can be hurt by that because what they do best is obviously rush the passer. They've got the best pass rusher in the NFL. They got a player that is Lawrence Taylor like that that can absolutely take over the game. And when when you have that type of player and you have to go to the line of scrimmage and find out where he is and change your you know protections and change your some of your formations to block him then then you're kind of playing you know you're playing a little bit handicapped there because you have to to find out where you know you're letting the defense somewhat dictate what you do but I still think if you run the football on them and get out of those situations uh where they can be the most effective then yeah you can kind of put them on their heels that's going to be the key it's just making sure that you stay out of third and long um, you know, throughout the game. I'll throw this out there. They obviously, Vaughn is a beast. They defend the pass better than maybe anybody in the league because other than Vaughn, the best thing they got going for him is the trio of Tlaib, Harris, and then even throw in Bradley Roby. He's a great, he's awesome in the sling. Is he? He's, he's pretty damn good, especially when he's got that help. And obviously, they feel good enough about their safeties that they cut T.J. Ward in the preseason. And was that more about money, though, or was that about it, his ability? I think it was a little it's bit. Always of, about ability. It's it's based always upon a, the money. Yeah, it's, it's, like a, it's, it's a yes, little right, bit about right. money. But if you were worth the money, you wouldn't be cut. The most expensive player in the league won't be cut if he's playing up to it. Right. So, um, but I that know. doesn't always mean he's not still the best safety you got. I, I guess although the point that I was I was kind of I will say it. Darian Stewart looked really good for them on Monday night. He is dealing with an injury, a groin injury. That's something to watch. My point being, between Von Miller getting after Dak and these defensive backs, passing is not how I want to try to win this game anyway. So we know the Broncos are susceptible to the run. I think even. Maybe he might not admit it, but I think it's a fair scouting report to say that Vaughn's not as good against the run as he is against the pass. That's not his strength. So, Question from Twitter, just to kind pound of pound the rod. Um, should the Cowboys be worried about Lyle Collins trying to go against Vaughn? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I yes. should be worried about that. And one thing you'll notice if you watched that game the other night, San Diego, they held Vaughn without a sack, but a good part of that was because almost every play it seemed like he was getting chipped. They had a tight end on him. They were, they were trying to disrupt him as much as much as possible. They were not leaving him on an island. So if the Cowboys are looking at that and thinking about who this guy is and thinking about the amount of experience that Lyle Collins has at, gar- at tackle, I would think they're going to probably do something similar and try to chip a lot, try to give help, um, and and you know limit the number of times he's going to be going one on one with Von Miller. I remember a game. I remember back in two thousand and eight, Demarcus Ware had a, a sack streak of ten straight games. And it was going. It would come over from 07 and then about half four or five games into 08. He, ten straight games with the sack, and he was approaching records and things like that. And he played the Buccaneers in a game Romo did not play, and he didn't get a sack that day. He was the most disruptive player though that he's been in any game. I mean, John Gruden, I remember afterwards was like, "This is the best player. This is the best defense player in football." I mean, he didn't get a sack, but the the the. Bucks were trying to drive for a touchdown, and every play he was out there. So that is the one position they always say. Uh, we say it on here all the time: horseshoes and hand grenades. Are you know that's the only thing close matters. Pass rush, it also matters. You cannot. You don't even have to get a hit on the quarterback. But if you come screaming off the edge and you throw the ball into in the ground, you've done your job. You know you you didn't get a sack, but you got close, and close matters. And not only that, but the Broncos. I want to say. 
Oh, crap. I left it up. They, how many, they had, I mean, I know they hit Simeon nine times. How many sacks did they have? Rivers? Or five, River, I, sorry, say, I think it was five. I want to say. Well, it no. was. I'm thinking, actually, that's the flip. No. Yeah, the Chargers had four. Right, yeah. One of the, the Broncos got multiple. And, I, and, to, and to Nick's point, on the final third down in the game before they settled for that field goal, I, it was, I brought this up on Monday. Rivers threw it immediately like he didn't even wait to look at his receivers because he could feel Vaughn like it was gross how quick he got around like I'm laughing thinking about it yeah he threw it right into the ground does it change at all having because both of those quarterbacks that play the other night are are not what you would consider to be mobile quarterbacks does it help that they can't just come screaming around that edge because if they do they can leave themselves with these gaping holes that allows Dak to get out of the pocket and what we know of Dak is not only can he run but he does well when he gets outside the pocket and he looks to throw downfield while running. Uh, does that create more of a, an opportunity for the Cowboys here for a team like this that's so aggressive in trying to get yeah, to the pass? That, and that's why they don't rank uh, very strong against the run. I mean, because because you when you get around the edge, I mean, obviously you get it blocked. That's a huge, you know, a huge seam to to run through or the quarterback, like you said, to step up. So that's going to be the, the the difference in the game right there is is figuring out you know, when to run and, and, and how to offset that rush. Now, yeah, you can look at it and say Von Miller versus Lyle Collins, but I think Von Miller is so good, and I, I just his mentality is he's probably going to go up against Tyron a lot too. You're not just going to just say, I'm not going up against him. I bet because if you do that, if you just say every time I'm going to line up over here, that helps the Cowboys. That's okay. We know where our protection is going to be. You want to go up against Lyle, that's fine, Keep but it won't be yeah. just Lyle. You need Dak to look and find where he is. Because even if he's over here on Tyron, as much as I like Tyron as a player, I, I still think that he, he'll get beat by Von Miller. If there's a player sometimes. that if there's a player that can beat Tyron, it might be Von Miller. I mean, I'll, there is some. Olivia Vernon's done it. I mean, we, we've seen it. And so it you have to be aware. You can't, ah, oh, we're good. Always got to know where him. he is, yeah. So I think it's, it's to the Broncos' best interest to move him around some. For the most part, third and nine, you can bet he'll be going up against Lyell, but still, I, I, throughout the game, I think they need to move him around. The one thing I will say, though, is when he's going up against Tyron, you may not feel like you have to give help. Now, that doesn't mean that Tyron won't have a hey. moment when he might get beat, but I think when you have a left tackle as good as him, you figure he's going to win way more than he's going to lose, and so you don't necessarily have to think, hey, we got to get help over that side. Where with Lyell, because of his inexperience, I think you probably, as often as possible, need to give him some help. I mean, if you think about it, where. If you're if you're the quarterback and you're like, okay, do I want Von Miller to be over here and blocked by Tyron Smith and I turn, I really don't know what's going on over here. Or do you want him to be over here with Lyell and maybe a tight end and I can see everything coming? I remember Romo used to say it all the time, you know, don't worry about don't hold on the right side because I can see him and I'll make him miss. I, I see this. Somehow though, Romo was able to see this guy too. Yeah, I was about to say he saw the whole thing. That was yeah. yeah. All right, let's take our final break. When we come back, I do still want to talk about Des Bryant in relation to these cornerbacks matching up against Aqib Tlaib and Chris Harris Jr. And I want to talk about it from the context of he had a rough matchup last week. Seems like he's going to have a rough matchup this week. Next week, he's going to be facing uh, Peterson in Arizona. Let's talk about if that has a way of kind of building up some angst uh, that could end up affecting the Cowboys, in particular Des Bryant, over these first three weeks. We'll do that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com Radio. To work this big land, you need equipment with values rooted as deep in Texas soil as you are. Like John Deere compact tractors with a six-year powertrain warranty and big features that help you work less so you have more time to do what you love. 
John Deere was first in the Texas fields and we're proud to be on the field as the official ag and turf equipment of the Dallas Cowboys. Find Texas size deals at myjohndeeredealer.com slash football. Terms, conditions, exclusions, and warranty limitations apply. See dealer for details. We, the entertainment-loving people, demand the best unlimited wireless plan ever from AT&T. What else do you want, a unicorn? Maybe. Only AT&T offers you unlimited data with HBO included and never pay overages. Get AT&T Unlimited Plus, our best wireless deal on unlimited data. Plus, save $25 per month on DirecTV. It's entertainment your way. After 22 gigabytes of data usage, AT&T may slow speeds. Plan includes stream saver and videos will stream in standard definition unless you turn it off. $25 DirecTV savings requires AT&T Unlimited Plus. Credits start within three bills. Service prices subject to change. Other usage, speed, fees, charges, and restrictions apply. See att.com slash unlimited for details. Star Sports Tours is the only official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, offering exclusive game weekend travel packages with sideline access and photo ops with current players, alumni, and cheerleaders. That's not all, though. You'll get to talk X's and O's with Senior Director of Player Personnel Will McClay and, of course, with yours truly, me, Brian Broadus. You can trust the official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, and with us, you'll travel like a pro. Visit CowboysTravel.com to book your travel package today. to the break welcome back it is the final segment of the break live from the swbc mortgage studios let's talk some uh cornerback and wide receiver let's talk about des bryant particularly last week had a uh, a tough matchup um i thought it was one that kind of went back and forth i thought he had some good moments i thought the the, the cornerback had some good moments um this week he's going to be facing two cornerbacks who are equally as good if maybe not better in Aqib Tlaib and chris harris jr um, and then next week, he's going to have to face Patrick Peterson, which, uh, if, if my memory serves correct, I think uh, Arizona is a team that will travel Peterson with whoever is the best receiver from the opposing team. So he may have a full day of dealing with Patrick Peterson. So my question for you guys is, do you think that there is a possibility that there could be some, um, some, some propensity on the part of Dez, on the part of the offensive coordinator, on the part of the quarterback, to try too hard to get him involved in the game when he has these really tough matchups, knowing that there may be better options to go other places so you don't have to deal with that matchup. Uh, do you think this can create some some problems for the Cowboys? A little bit. I, th- I just think they shouldn't force it as much. And Dak has so many tools, like great tools in front of him and great guys that he can easily use instead of just trying to kind of force it down in so many plays with uh, Des. I think those um, – I- I said this last year about Odell, and it's the same sort of with Dez. I mean, those guys, they, they obviously need the ball. They, they want the ball. They're, they're, they're great when they have the, the football. When they don't, it's, it can cause a little bit of an issue, definitely from a distraction uh, on the field and maybe off the field on the sideline. So I think that, that it, it's, just, it's tough because you want to let the game come to you, but after two or three possessions of Dez not getting the football, then Dak has to go hear that. He hears it on the sideline, and then he's thinking that way, and then he's like, "Okay, and let's let's try to let's try to shut the guy up." And it's not a bad thing to get the ball in his hands. It's just it's got to be within the flow of the game, and so they need to figure out ways that they've said it all week long, every single day. It's an issue, but it's got to be an issue that that comes to them naturally. Do you think that was an issue last year? Because of my assumption, there were games when Des wasn't as involved last. Year. Do you think that Dak was affected by? whatever you think happened on the sideline that made him. I think the first game he was, you know, but I mean, subtly, if you listen to the, I remember before the Redskin game in week two, he made some comments that it, it wasn't negative towards Des, but he made some comments that, 
you know, he had chances to make plays, and he'll have more chances to make plays. So, yeah, he wanted the ball more. He had he could have made some plays, and I could have thrown it better. And, you know, he kind of qualified it that way of saying, we'll be all right. We'll not worry about it. He, he'll get the ball. And and, and so I, I think – it. And, and then the next week they went out and they played against the Redskins, Josh Norman, and I think he they did throw the ball a little bit more, and they did it well. But it, it's got to be a situation where he, he's not feeling pressured to got to get Des Bryant the football or – He's going to be pouting and, and upset on the sideline, and I have to listen to it. And let's just be fair. I, I've all, and I don't know if you agree with this, but I don't think, I don't think Dez is one of those guys that goes over the sideline and is complaining about the fact that he's not getting the ball. One thing that we know for a fact is when everybody thought he was, and there was actual proof of what he was saying, that's not what he was doing. He was not complaining about the ball. He was saying he was basically hype, trying to hype up. The team. I, I, I'm so I don't want. I don't. I want to be very careful about painting Dez. I don't. I want to be careful with painting him with the to brush of he's over there saying get me the ball. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna say this: if you're not wanting the football, then you're not gonna be a good receiver. I mean, you're not one of the best. You, you, yeah, but there's a difference between wanting it and being over there screaming. Give I've it to seen me, it. Right? I've seen it from the sideline. The times that I've been down there during like preseason, obviously not the same kind of game as during the season. But I've seen it to where he just goes up there and kind of tells him like, "Hey, you know, I was open. Uh, you know, not really upset right. Right. at the fact that he didn't throw it to him. Which, which I see most receivers know. do, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, for the most part, I. Out of the group of receivers, he's the one that I would say that, from my observation, he would be the one that does that the most. Like you say, Beasley, you know, he stays off to the side. But aside from that, he would be the one receiver that does go up to him and kind of lets him know, hey, I was open or whatever, you know, just well, letting him know. Yeah. These cornerbacks are getting in his in his you know ear every game, every play. Where are you, Des? Yeah, yeah. That, there's another one. So he goes to the sideline. I mean, it, it, it's a big deal, you know. It's a, and so I know he wants to shut them up, and he and he. There's several times we've seen plays where he, you know, he gets these guys beat. He called Jernorris Jenkins lucky because there was times the court, you know, Dak didn't get him the ball when he had him beat. So. It's a definitely it's a big deal. They need to get the ball in the hands of their best players, and he certainly is one of them. It's just like I've said over and over. Dak needs to be able. To, it needs to be natural. You know those fifty-fifty balls. He can win those. So so throw it up to him at times. But I just think that get get them get them involved in the game, just like you'd get everybody involved. I'm we'll say not, you, Dave Hellman. I'm not. I don't, I'm, I'm not worried about Dak's ability to deal with Dez. Dak is great at that type of stuff. That doesn't bother me in the slightest. I do the the Washington thing is an interesting parallel for me because they got even they got even involved without sending him 50 yards down the field, and I think that is a great idea for this game because I mean I think it's it's going to be another. If you're if you're throwing up 50-50 balls and trying to hit the big play, I think it's probably going to be another frustrating day uh, for Dez, but for the entire offense because obviously you want those chunk plays. But I mean, his best play of the night, the other night, other than the flag, was that short ball that he caught where he had a chance to run out after the catch. He does that so well. He's such a hard guy to box out because of his size. Get him involved throwing eight to 12 yard routes instead of instead of taking those shots and and it worked like a charm against Washington I don't think he scored a touchdown in that game but I want to say he had seven or eight catches for 100 yards or something or maybe it was 90 something yards but he's so good at that type of stuff and if you're going against good corners like this that's how he can beat them is just with his size to box them off the route whether it's a slant or a comeback or whatever but aren't the 50 50 balls in this offense an important component absolutely mainly because if I'm you, not saying that you don't do it, but 
you maybe don't do it four times or however many times they did it the other night, or maybe do it in a game where you're not playing two of the best cornerbacks in the league. That's you play to your strengths. That's and and that's not your strength in this match. Well, he's a 60, 66, 67 percent completion guy. I mean, that's that's what he was last year. That's that's what he's been. So Especially in the second half, yeah, and and then the two out of nine. In, in this last game against the Giants, I mean, obviously, the, it's just one game. But but the point is, is that's not that's so far away from where he normally is. So whatever it is, he needs to stay in that range. Well, Dak, Dak said yesterday that they liked their matchups in that game, which you did. Like Janoris Jenkins, who was really, really good against Des last year like but who else like they, when the the way that they were matched up they everybody else had a had some I mean some good moments I don't think that I don't think there were a lot of other cornerbacks or linebackers who were lined up on tight ends necessarily no, I, I just meant specifically in reference to Des like I didn't like that matchup. I got you and I don't you know, like this matchup either which it's not to say you ignore Des you find a way to get him involved but you know as weird as this sounds play to your strengths I never said this in the press box but it happened at least two times, maybe three. Sometimes Dez's strength can be a disadvantage for him uh, running down the field. You're running down the field. Here comes the ball, and all of a sudden Jenkins or whoever it is is, is like shoving you. He's trying to push you out of bounds, and you've got strength, and you're kind of shoving back, and it's a, kind of a grind and whatever, and the ball goes out of bounds, and then it's no call, two guys playing Stephon Diggs or somebody like that who weighs a buck forty or whatever, and you and you start doing that to them, and next thing you know, they they're like running into the cheerleaders. That's gonna get flagged because you just shoved a guy out of bounds when the, he's trying to run down the field. So it's just like a big you know center in in, in the NBA that they never get as many calls because they're big and strong, and you can kind of just hack on them. And it's, that kind of happens sometimes. Jenkins you, had a fistful of Dez's face mask on yeah. the fade that he yeah. caught, but Dez is standing up flat. straight still and has a chance to make the play, and so they're not going to want to call it on every play. But I guarantee if he shoves him out of bounds, and the ball just just hits the end zone and there's nobody there, it's like. That's going to be a penalty. I agree with that. I do wonder though if Dez likes that contact. Right. I right. get the That's I get the, the opinion that Dez kind of likes man. the contact. You're not going to get shoved. But the not ground. only that, I think Dez likes to know where the cornerback is, and I think he likes to get his leverage off of where the cornerback is. So yeah. he doesn't mind the cornerback kind of leaning on him a bit because then he also knows. Okay, if I want to make a quick stop and jump, I got to know where this guy is. Right. He's on me. I let him go by me, and I'm up, right? Just know if this is soccer, you know, you, they flop all over the place, and that's that's not what happens. Right. It's just like, you know, man versus man. You're not going to shove me. I'll shove you back, and then nothing's ever called. But you could probably get more calls if you if you let yourself get hit like that, but he's not going to do it, and I don't blame him. Yep, let's get some calls. You can call us. The number is 214-872-2102. Again, it's 214-872-2102. You can also hit us on Twitter. At Cowboys Break, let's start with a question from Twitter. Michael Gonzalez is asking, how do you think Dak and the team will do in the high altitude of Denver? Denver. Young guy never played there before. I know there have been some concerns and questions whether does the altitude indeed affect the, uh, the players when they're altitude playing. Altitude is real. So what are y'all's thoughts on this? I, I don't know how it can't be something different like it doesn't mean that it's going to make it to where you can't play and you can't function in it but I think it's different I mean like I, I would just assume I've been to Denver I'm not a highly trained athlete but I've been to Denver and some of the normal things you would do in Texas feel a little different when you do them there I remember first time I went to Denver 
we were staying at a, a place where there was an upstairs and a downstairs, and I was taking the bags from upstairs, from downstairs to upstairs, and literally got upstairs and was like, oh, you know, it was it, it was different. And that doesn't mean, again, it doesn't mean that these highly trained athletes can't adjust to it, adapt to it. But I was doing some reading on it yesterday, and it said, basically, in order for your your body to be able to acclimate to the point where you can do it without it being different than what you're used to, usually takes a couple months. This is not something that that you just walk into Denver and all of a sudden it feels the same to do the same level of to have the same level of exertion as it does anywhere else. But there are 31 other teams in the NFL that go to Denver and play football, and Denver doesn't win every time they're at home. Right. So, yeah. All that being said, yes, it will be different. I don't think it necessarily matters from the standpoint of them being able to still win. These are world class athletes, right. and I'm sure that I'm sure it'll be different, and there will be some. And more than anything it's probably, of oxygen well yeah oxygen and then i was gonna more than anything the kickers are probably the guys that need to worry about it more than anybody else but i mean get an extra what's well, great for the kicker right because you get to you get that thin air. it's just it's something to adjust to is yeah. all i mean but and yeah exactly the broncos are not undefeated at home and they're tough to beat that's mostly because they have good players but and so and they have a, a great fan base that that is very supportive in their games. It's a loud stadium. Yep. It's probably one of the, the loudest outdoor stadiums in the NFL. So you just factor everything in. Uh, and but I think the more that that it gets talked about, the probably more it gets in people's head about, you know, can I function the same? You start doubting your ability to go do what you've always done, which is run, jump, and and I know, thought breathe. I Garrett made, Jason Garrett made a good point about it yesterday, which was just like you know, yeah, it's obviously real, but. You know, I think you can kind of overdo that stuff. So we're not going to spend a ton of time worrying about it. Right. I think I had someone tell me, though, because we have Throwback Thursday going on the website. It's like, they haven't won there in 25 years. Like, now that's 0 and 2. Yeah. They only play there once every (laughs) eight years. Yeah. It's it's not like. Play there often. Right. But it is today's Throwback Thursday. All right. Let's take a, a phone call from Brian in Florida. Brian, what up? Hey, guys. How are you doing today? Great. Good. How are you? Uh, excellent. Hey, just want to say uh, appreciate the world class coverage you guys provide during and in the off season. Thank and, you, uh, Dave. You answered my mailbag question today. Hey, on uh, Heath's performance. How about that? Happy to help yeah. out. Hey, so my question is: Looks like we're going to get uh, Hitch back sometime in October. Uh, who's the odd man out? Is it Damian Wilson or is Hitch going to? You know, are they going to rotate? What do you guys think is the linebacker starting core? Once he gets back on the field, then I'll hang up and listen. Thanks All a lot, guys. Right. You Thanks think anyone's call. ever done the the DallasCowboys.com double there in one day, one morning? Probably. Well, if if we're going to be a stickler, the Heath question was yesterday's question, so that's actually either way. Days, get on a call and hey, that's awesome. Yeah, do that in a week. I yeah. think that's probably still a pretty big. Good. Um, that is actually good a good question. It's a great question because you know this whole time we've been like, well, Hitch is the mic. Hitch is. Super underrated, and I still think all that stuff's true. But man, Jalen Smith looked pretty darn good the other night. So, what are you gonna do? Take him? I I take him off the field? I think probably honestly, the odd man out's Justin Durant because you brought him in here as an insurance policy for Damian Wilson, and he turned into an insurance policy for Anthony Hitchens. Uh, I mean, we don't know what's gonna happen with Damian. I don't get the feeling it's I don't get the feeling something's coming down super soon in terms of his arrest. So, I mean, Durant was basically the odd man out the other night. So I, what I would probably do is rotate Hitchens and Jalen at Mike and just whatever, however. Who's your nickel guy at that point? You know 50 staying on the field, so. 
right now, to if he were fully healthy today, I think I'd go with Hitch. But Jalen just maybe could exceed those expectations as the season goes on. Good thing is you got options. Yeah, I mean, problem, yeah, you yeah. got two. Yeah, it's a great problem to have. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they would find a way to get them both on the field. Is this the last year of Hitch and Steele? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, this is his contract. It's an important year. time for him, and, and he, personally. He approached it well, you know, and he had a great training camp, and he was doing some good things in the preseason games and then obviously had, had the injury. But, um, I, you know, we'll, we'll probably see him back, I would imagine, you know, after maybe three or four more games, maybe five. I say wait till the bye. But that would be six, say like, five weeks and then so basically get six weeks, six games, or get him six back weeks for, of games. Get him back for San Francisco. Yeah. Which, but – yeah, no, that's fascinating because, and I'm anxious to see Hitch because he looked so good in the preseason. And I brought this up in today's mailbag, actually, which is linebacker is a sneaky concern for this team heading into next offseason because Hitchens is a free agent. Who the hell knows what's going to happen with Damian Wilson now? You feel really good about Jalen now, but you know that's that's and then you have so but you have, you'll 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 my assumption is you'll just keep feeling better about Jalen. yeah well i hope so right? i hope so but even still you have about two you have two linebackers that you feel good about heading into really good ones though really good ones but you can't play a game with two linebackers no, i get that but I'm, I'm saying i guess the point i'm making is you can fill in if you've got two yeah. really good ones and you spend most of your time playing nickel yeah then you can fill in with other guys that are fourth, fifth yeah, round picks, right? Sure. Those kind of guys can still play a, a role for you at the linebacker position on a team like this with how you use your linebackers. Right. All right, we appreciate you guys joining us. We are back tomorrow for more Cowboys versus Broncos. We'll do that on uh, Friday, get you guys ready for the game on Sunday. Till then, for Nick Eatman, Dave Hellman, Amber Garcia, I'm Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break, live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about you, Cowboys?